0: Welcome back to Via the Source, where you can get news about the entire NFL and, of course, the Miami Dolphins. Fins up. Here's Stephen, your host. What's up, guys? Today's date is May the 2nd. I'm Stephen Masso. As always, you're listening to Via The Source. Now, in today's episode, we're going to be going over the entire scope of the Dolphins draft. I'm going to be giving it my grade. We're going to be talking about the picks from day two and day three. Didn't have a chance to go over those, so that's what we will be talking about in today's episode. A little disclaimer before we get into it. I don't know if you guys can hear it in the background, but there are some frogs that are going absolutely crazy outside my window. So, if you're somebody that's listening over there in Florida, I'm not sure what the wildlife situation is over there completely. I know you guys have alligators. I know you guys have, uh, you know, Mesozoic era style iguanas over there. So, I apologize. I'm not sure if this is something that. Uh, is coming out very strongly in the background, but hopefully it isn't coming out too crazy in the background. But uh, first, we're gonna dive into it. a quick little recap. First round, the Dolphins went with Jalen Waddle, awesome pick uh, for their second pick in the first round. Well, they went with Jalen Phillips, which was another awesome pick. Now we get here to the second round. If you guys remember back in the last episode, this is where Javante Williams was potentially in the mix. The Dolphins elected not to trade up, and they were gonna sit there at pick 36, Javante. Williams still available up until pick 35. And this is where the Atlanta Falcons made a trade with the Denver Broncos, who, despite already having Melvin Gordon, elected to select Javante Williams, a running back out of North Carolina that I was kind of eyeing, as well as a few others, to be the potential guy that the Dolphins could bring in here as a potential lead back for the team. He was one of those guys that was on the fringe of that top category, but outside of him, I think there was a drastic drop off in the potential of. Of some of the guys but overall the Dolphins did not have a chance to get him but at the end of the day I'm not even sure if they would have taken him if he was available because of the excitement around this next guy and it was safety out of Oregon Javon Holland and he was the guy that I didn't necessarily have too high on my board in terms of safeties it was a little bit more interesting to me because Trevon Merrick was my best safety as well as many others was still available at the time where the Dolphins selected Holland Now, it came out afterwards that there were some concerns around a back injury with Merrick, but at the end of the day, the Dolphins elected to go in the direction of Holland, and as I mentioned, I didn't necessarily have them too high, and I had seen mock drafts that had guys like even Richie Grant going ahead of them. So it was a little bit of a head-scratcher initially until the press conference, and this is where everything really came together, and I was there, and I was like, okay, I completely understand why they did this, and that's not something that I typically would say based on a press conference, but that is how strong of an impression that he really did make. Now, when the Dolphins selected him, if you remember back when Raekwon Davis was selected, Brian Flores was extremely giddy. Well, that was the exact same thing happening here. Brian Flores was ecstatic with the idea of getting Javon Holland. And in this press conference, the guy just oozed charisma. You could tell that he was going to be somebody who's eager to take on a leadership role with the defense. You can tell he was speaking extremely eloquently and that he is a very intelligent guy who is in some ways reminds me of Brandon Jones who if you remember last year the Dolphins selected him there were all the reports that he memorized every playbook that every team had, and you could tell that he was eager to take on a very commanding role with a team. Well, you get that same feeling here with Javon Holland, and something that I saw on Twitter, it was posted by three yards per carry Simon Clancy over there, that Holland could potentially take on the Patrick Chung role of the New England Patriots. Of course, Brian Flores spent a lot of time there. Chung wasn't just some safety. He was really the staple of that defense. Many would argue he was an extremely diverse player on that defense, He played just about everywhere and the potential for Javon Holland, who has already been praised for his ability in coverage, in the slot, some saying he is almost a receiver in terms of his uh, ability to run the receiver's route for him, there's a lot to like about him. He is not just some free safety, he is somebody who is great in run stop, he is somebody who is also great in the slot at covering some of the bigger guys. It's a very exciting move here, I think, going after Javon Holland. He said in the press conference something we've heard a Lot from the guys the Dolphins select that he is willing to play wherever the coach asked him, and of course, this runs contrary to that whole Minka Fitzpatrick incident. Yet, it seems like ever since Minka, the Dolphins have gone straight after guys who are versatile and who are willing to play multiple positions. It seems like Javon Holland could fit that mold here as well. So, again, this is one of those picks that I initially didn't really understand, but after examining it a little bit closer, I actually indeed fell in love with this move. Now, for the next pick here, another pick in the second round, the Dolphins went with offensive tackle Liam Eichenberg out of Notre Dame. You have probably heard a bunch that over two years, he did not give up a sack. Now, he said that he did have the benefit of having a mobile quarterback, but he also said he puts a lot of emphasis on his footwork and on his technique. Now, he has a ton of immediate impact potential, I think. I would not be shocked whatsoever if at the start of the season, he is is the starting right tackle of the Miami Dolphins, I think he could have an immediate impact for this team. Now, when we get to this next pick here, this was one that a lot of people were outraged about on Twitter, and I'll admit myself, I was extremely confused, even more so than the Javon Holland pick, and the only thing is I'm warming up to it a little bit more, but I'm still completely not on board. This is one that I cannot say that I love. I cannot say that I downright hate. The only option for me to take here is to wait and see how it plays out. And that was when the Dolphins selected in the third round, Hunter Long out of Boston College. He is a tight end. Now, some people, their main argument was, well, we don't even need tight ends. We have Mike Kosicki, we have Jerome Smythe, we have Adam Shaheen. All of them played pretty well last season. Mike Kosicki's on the last year of his contract, but people didn't really see the tight end as an obvious need. So some people were saying, okay, well, maybe they were just taking the best player available. But then you kind of ask yourself, well, was he even the best player available at this spot? And most people would say, You know, probably not. But there are still some positives that someone could take away from this. And this isn't just because his name is also Hunter, but in a lot of ways, he reminds me of Hunter Henry because he is, uh, you know, still a primary receiving sort of tight end. He isn't the greatest blocker, but he doesn't necessarily have that just absolutely game-changing ability where he's basically a receiver. You know, he is definitely not Kyle Pitts. He is definitely not a guy like George Kittle, but he still looks like an extremely reliable and efficient receiving tight end so I still think he could be beneficial in those aspects Brian Flores as I mentioned in the uh, episode two days ago well you know he came from a patriot system that really emphasized a two tight end system if there's anybody who has seen a lot of tight ends and knows their worth it would be a guy like Brian Flores who has gone up against him a ton so I do trust his judgment on this one I am a little bit concerned because I do think there were other needs that could have been addressed and maybe guys who are on the table who could have been better than this pick I definitely understand to some degree people being frustrated with this move and again the only thing I can say is hopefully it pans out I mean not expecting him to have an immediate impact this year tight ends in general definitely uh, don't really have breakout seasons in their rookie year It it usually takes them at least a year or two until they acclimate to the NFL and really take on a bigger role as we've seen with guys like Travis Kelsey with Zach Ertz with Dallas Goddard it doesn't really ever happen straight out of the gate for tight ends and then especially when you consider it is a bit of a crowded room I expect this to be a move that was done more so with the future in mind when you have those albeit small question marks when it comes to Mike Kosicki's future so as we move down the rest of the draft the Dolphins ended up trading their fifth round pick they made a trade with the Pittsburgh Steelers and acquired a pick in 2022, ended up being a fourth round pick. So they lost a pick there. Their next remaining picks came in the seventh round. Here's where they drafted out of UMass, Larnell Coleman, the offensive tackle. And then finally, the last draft for the Dolphins in this draft, they finally got a running back. And it ended up being Jared Dokes out of Cincinnati. Now, with this being a seventh round selection, I think it kind of goes without saying to kind of limit your own expectations. Of course, this isn't one of the top tier running backs, and I don't even think he's in the next tier or the next two tiers below that. You know, I had my eye actually on Kylan Hill at this point out of Mississippi State. I thought he would have been a good addition, but instead the Dolphins elected to go this route. So again, a seventh round pick, you definitely have to limit your own expectations and not really expect him to be competing for any sort of lead back unless things go uh, terribly wrong throughout the season. But when you look at him, you kind of get this feel. Things kind of noticed from him. In some ways, he reminds me of James Robinson of the Jaguars. In other ways, he reminds me of kind of a younger version of Jordan Howard when he was actually productive back with the Chicago Bears. Uh, He displays a terrific burst. He doesn't waste a lot of time behind the line of scrimmage. One knock, if you remember that I had on Miles Gaskin, was in those short yard situations, he kind of bounced around a little bit too much. He hesitated a little bit too much in instances where you would rather have a guy that just hits the hole and goes and gets the yards he can and that appears to be the style of play that we get here with Jared Dokes. He is a guy that if the hole is there he's going to hit it hard, he isn't going to hesitate, he has a pretty solid looking burst but in that he does lack a little bit of the breakaway speed. It doesn't look like he was able to capitalize on a lot of those uh, long rushing attempts. He made several highlight reel catches where he caught the ball with one hand which was extremely impressive to watch and he had also tweeted that if you want a guy who's going to protect your quarterback then you should draft him and with that being said there were some instances where he laid some pretty good hits on the guys who were blitzing in towards the quarterback so again limit your expectations here I'm sure this isn't the running back that many Dolphin fans were hoping to get here but at the end of the day could be solid depth could be a guy who is uh, either competing with Malcolm Brown for those touches or maybe if Malcolm Brown gets hurt or something like that that he ends up being in the mix here but again I wouldn't expect too much out of this one pick so to grade the Dolphins draft as a whole I'm gonna give it an A minus, and of course, you've probably seen all over Twitter that people are in love with the Dolphins draft, and frankly, I am too in a lot of ways. The only knock, and I'll get that out of the way as quick as I can. The only knock I would have is that they kind of took in a similar approach as last season. They picked a lot of project players, and I'll give the credit where it's due that the Dolphins have a very good track record at developing guys who are either raw, a little bit unpolished, or a little bit on the younger side, like Austin Jackson. I still have the utmost faith in their ability to develop these younger players so with that being said I think a few of the picks here were guys who are not necessarily as proven who are again a little bit raw but present a lot of upside. so by nature that is going to present a little bit more risk which is kind of what lowers it down to an a minus but on the picks that I liked I really really like the Jalen Waddle pick is awesome the Jalen Phillips pick is really good aside from the whole injury thing right there I'm a big fan of the Javon Holland pick it really did grow on me extremely quickly but then from that point forward you know as you expect to go down the later rounds it seems like the Dolphins trended more towards making those moves again the ones that if they pan out they'll look like a genius but if they don't work out people are going to be looking at them a little bit sideways and say "Uh, you might have wasted a pick on that one so from that standpoint I'm going to give them an A minus which is still extremely respectable something that I'm still extremely happy with and I think most people should be I think overall it was an awesome uh, draft to watch this year. Now, for this next point, I want to preface this by saying this isn't coming from a place of homerism. I'm trying to be objective here, but I don't understand this overcritical nature when it comes to running back Miles Gaskin because I think he had a pretty good season. Was it spectacular? No, but I think people are being way too hard on Miles Gaskin and way too eager for him to be replaced, thinking the Dolphins have to make this grand gesture in order to have success in the ground game when I think he had a pretty good season did he do good in the season finale against Buffalo no but nobody really did but before that against Las Vegas the guy had over 160 total yards and put the team on his back in the game before that he had over 140 total yards there was a ton of things to love about Miles Gaskin and I think something that people need to recognize about this situation is that the Dolphins last year had an offensive line that was interchanging three different rookies on here And aside from that, even the veterans that were at the offensive line, they were far from elite. They were solid at best. And then you add in there that they were in a Chan Gailey system that severely lacked any sort of creativity. For half the season, they had a rookie quarterback who didn't even have an off season to really prepare for the year. And then don't even get me started on the whole receiver situation where guys were dropping like flies and there wasn't any semblance of separation. The Dolphins were basically becoming one dimensional and teams didn't even have to worry about them passing on them and can focus on the run. What people need to recognize is the 2020 Dolphins were not a conducive spot for any running back to thrive. Aside from maybe a few outliers, like a guy like Derrick Henry or maybe Christian McCaffrey, I don't think any running back that you really put on the 2020 Dolphins roster, I don't think they were gonna be in a position to succeed just given all of those other factors. So if you take into consideration all of those factors and how the Dolphins addressed them, you know, they're rookies at the offensive line now, have even more experience and it's reasonable to think that they're only going to get better. They added another rookie here at the offensive line who could have some sort of immediate impact here. Tua has another year under his belt, has another off season to prepare. Of course, he is also going to get better. You're going to have a new offensive system, which I can't imagine is any worse than Chan Gailey. And I think the biggest factor here is that the Dolphins added not only some receiver talent, but they added guys who have absolutely burners and could keep the defense on their toes that should open up the running game a ton. So I think it's very hard to imagine any sort of situation here where Miles Gaskin is any worse. I don't see how he could possibly regress. I think even him being just as good as last season might be a stretch to think. And there is an extreme amount of potential for Miles Gaskin to be even better than he was in 2020. And again, was he elite in 2020? Was he spectacular? No, but he was good, and if he is better than good, I think that should be good enough. And I think one thing that kind of plagues us a little bit as Dolphin fans, the same way that we were able to watch Dan Marino for years, that set a standard for us to expect when we watch our quarterbacks. But in the same way, we had Ricky Williams to watch for years, and he was about as good as it gets at the running back position. But what people need to recognize, not only is the game changing, but you don't necessarily need the absolute top premier running back now to win in the NFL in 2021. If you have solid pieces in play at the other spots of the offense, then having a solid ground attack is usually enough to get you into the playoffs and beyond. So overall, I think people are being way too critical when it comes to evaluating Miles Gaskin. So guys, that is how I'm going to wrap up today's episode. As always, if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can do so. That is at ShadySteven and at ViaTheSource. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave a review on the Apple Podcast app. It would mean a lot. If you have any questions, topics, or anything you would like for me to discuss in a future episode, feel free to send them to me on Twitter. I will gladly include it in the following episode. But guys, that is how I'm going to wrap it up. Until next time, I'm Stephen Masso, and this was Via the Source.